0: Hello, coffee lovers. So why am I here? My love of coffee started with my grandparents hiding coffee candies in their pockets. Finding those little wrapped treasures ingrained that flavor into my memory, along with a sense of love and connection. We're all drawn to the experiences that shape our lives. Coffee has those stories. It invites that connection. It's probably why cafes around the world are packed. We want to feel the energy of people and wrap our hands around a hot cup of connection. Enter the coffee meetup. Coffee, the consummate excuse. You might not even drink it, but it's a tool, a figurative concept, a vehicle to connect. Coffee Culture, the podcast, is your new place for that. There will be short episodes and full interviews, Come for the coffee meetup and stay for the connection. I'm your host, Holly Shannon. Hello, coffee lovers. Welcome to Coffee Culture. It's season five, and I'm here with my good friend, Johnny. Hi, Johnny. Hi, Holly. (laughs) Johnny and I met at South by Southwest uh, back in March, And he was actually on the other side of the fence here. He was interviewing me versus me interviewing him and made me super comfortable and was so articulate and warm and genuine. Uh, We ended up getting together over the weekend and just having a great time going out for food and just commiserating over work and entrepreneurship. And um, we've been friends ever since, right?
1: You said that beautifully, Holly. That's exactly <laughs> my experience. I was so thankful to meet you and stay connected and then become good friends with you over time.
0: Yeah, we've uh we've been growing fast together. So Johnny and I also did a um an entrepreneurial immersion in Dallas that I ran and We ended up closing that retreat with Johnny and I partnering in the umbrella of business strategy and um, helping the team work through um, what their growth looks like and what their trajectory looks like, and maybe if they have to turn the ship around and reorient a little bit. So we had a lot of fun with that. And uh, who knew when we met at South by?
1: And now we're going to be on stage at PodFest That's right. in January, 2023.
0: We manifested with that, same,
1: that. Yes, with that same group of people, the entire group. It's going to be exciting. Group.
0: There'll be seven of us on stage. We spent six days in Dallas working on our work and um, helping transform everybody's businesses. And one of the leading threads in our business strategy sessions was everybody wanted to be on stage sharing their gifts. And we all talked about doing that together at PodFest, even though Johnny does not have a podcast, but you don't have to have a podcast to be on stage at PodFest. Um, But we're doing that in January. That's really cool. I'm pretty excited.
1: I don't know how you snuck me in there, Holly, but I'm super excited
0: well you know what
1: on stage then i did see it's for creators also it
0: it is it's for creators. well here's the thing there's two types of people that well actually maybe three types of people that engage in podcasts there's those that just listen um to the content because they love podcasts there's those that have them um like myself and there's those who go on them like you. So there's a home for everybody. Um, Johnny and I have talked about him starting a podcast because of his uh, work with Lifey, which we could get into. Um, But it may not, you know, podcasting is not for everybody, you know, sometimes you just need to go on shows, and that's where you need to be. So that's where we are. I love it. So let's, um, we've been so serious. Maybe we'll go back to serious again. But what I want to do is I want to ask you, um, when was your first sip of coffee?
1: Hard to remember. Can't give you the exact date, Holly. I do remember starting to drink coffee in college to help with focus. And my goodness, did it help? Mm Mm-hmm. Give me a
0: favorite
1: iced coffee. <laughs> I don't do anything hot, not really? even soups, I, n- nothing that's hot. My body, for whatever reason, doesn't agree with hot liquid.
0: Interesting.
1: So anything cold brew, iced coffee, iced tea, right up my wheelhouse.
0: So let me ask you a question. Do you run warm too? Are you always hot? Oh yeah, always. So okay, always. Com- complete aside. Have you done any research into Ayurvedic medicine? No, no Ayurveda.
1: My does my silence speak volumes?
0: Yeah. So um it's body types, and I'm I know. Almost nothing, maybe even negative five on that type of uh, medicine. But um, it, if I had to take like a quick swipe, I would say I wonder if your your body type is a pitta, which is P I T A, and you need to do a little research onto um, what supports that uh, body type.
1: You are spot on. It was funny. The reason I paused when you asked that question was because I do a meditation practice twice a day. And something that my meditation teacher taught me was that it's normal to feel heat during the meditation. It's that pitta raising up, coming to the surface, and you just allow it to move through you. And sometimes I'll start sweating when I meditate. So that's, that's, you're spot on.
0: Look at that. My very little knowledge of that. I, I, like I say to everybody, I know just enough about health to be annoying at a party. <laughs> so that's about all I could give you on pita or PETA. I don't even know how you say it, but um, it's interesting also. So I did a coffee short where I do these like little, you know, two to five minute little shorts on my podcast now. So if people only have a few minutes, and they just want to like listen to something about coffee, they can. And one of the things that I was made aware of, I did a coffee meditation. I'm not kidding you. I'm not just making this up. So on Audible, they have free coffee, they have free meditations, I should say, like 25 free meditations and 25 free yoga Um experiences you can partake in. And it's all audio. And I found one called Coffee Lovers. I swear to God, I'm not kidding you. One of my coffee shorts you'll see when we launch next week is called That. And it is this guy, Jeremy Falk, who uh did one just specifically on coffee. And so I've done that one a few times. I reached out to him and he might be coming on the show as well. And we'll do a, a live coffee meditation Um, so that people can partake. But the reason I'm bringing it up, sorry for the long story long, but he had talked about holding your cup of coffee, like during the meditation, you know, your eyes are open, you're experiencing, sometimes you close your eyes. But one of the things he talked about is that um, heat is molecules bouncing around really fast, right? That's what causes the heat. So our experience with coffee is also something about movement and heat and energy because those molecules are all moving around and then we sip it and that heat is in our mouth and goes down our throat and into our stomachs. And so those molecules are moving around because they're hot. They're not cold. So they move differently in the body. And so you're talking about how it makes you hot, like just anything makes you hot Well, that's like on a molecular level too, not just like I don't like hot things or whatever. But one of the other things that I had was this little epiphany because my husband hates cold coffee and I love both. Here's my iced coffee right here. Yes. I love hot and cold and he hates cold. He'll never have it. And I realized after doing the coffee meditation that one of my experiences is the smell. It's really critical to memory for me. It's really critical to the overall experience. And when you have cold coffee, don't quite smell it. Like if you go to a, a shop and you buy it, you smell it because the whole place is brewing coffee. But if you leave and you, you don't sip, like when you sip your coffee, you don't smell it. Like you, there's a plastic lid on it. It's cold. It doesn't necessarily have like the steam coming up. It's a different experience to have it cold than to have it hot, which, you know, was just like one of my little mini epiphanies about coffee.
1: (laughs) I can fully connect with that. And one of the reasons I love coffee shops to go get my cold brew is because immediately upon going in, getting my cold brew, all five of my senses are engaged and you speak with anyone who talks about grounding and, and finding inner peace and calmness. And there's something about being in a coffee shop and engaging all five of your sen- senses at the same time. It just makes it a super comfortable place to be.
0: I agree. I agree. And if you think about it, I mean, coffee is grown from the earth, so it's immediately grounded before it's ground, <laughs> and it's it's kind of interesting the the circle, and I actually am going to move this conversation into that coffee shop if you don't mind because I think we find ourselves in that a lot. It's become part of our culture, cafe culture, and. I believe you and I had a conversation once about doing business in a coffee shop, and a lot of people do it. A lot of people conduct their work and they conduct coffee meetups. Um, in, and that's something that has proved to be worthwhile for you, if I'm not mistaken.
1: You're spot on. I'm currently an entrepreneur in the goal setting space, but I come from the world of real estate and coffee shops were a massive part of my real estate business. One example I just thought of, one time I did an open house and partnered with a local coffee shop. And the first 20 people to come in got a free coffee from that coffee shop. So what better way to integrate yourself into a neighborhood than partnering with one of their local coffee shops? And in addition to that, when I first started off and walked into the office, basically asking, where do I sit? Where's my office, right? And guess what? When you're brand new in real estate, you don't have an office. (laughs) (laughs) So, I found, (laughs) yeah, that coffee shops were actually a life hack of sorts because I could go in there with my laptop and just set up shop. Mm -hmm. And what better place to meet a client where you're going to be having conversations about one of the three most stressful things they're ever going to do in their life than in the comfort of a coffee shop while you're sitting on a couch while you have that white noise going in the background. And it really just brings people a level of comfort to go there to that sensitive place to discuss those really important things.
0: Yeah, that has to be hard. I hadn't really thought about it that way because it is one of the biggest life decisions. But there's something about a coffee shop um there's an energy in the room right like there's you know I, I was on um doing an interview with our our friend uh chris chris lewis who was also part of our immersion and we talked about the energy in a room and for uh especially for extroverts um it's actually more comfortable to go to a space like that and surround yourself with other people like you feed off of that energy. Um I guess for some people it it, it motivates them to like work harder cuz they're bouncing off of them for some people it's just to like people watch but <laughs> did did you find that that ener- that energy then not only served you but it served your client it was like a like the great mediator almost
1: for sure it sets a tonality when you choose to meet someone at a coffee shop that You're going to be having conversations about something that's relevant, that's important, uh, where people could be heard. I was thinking about coffee shops and how there's really an innocence to them. They get up very early. Hmm. They don't stay up very late. And just by their very essence of being... It's this place to to come in and have those conversations. If I were to go meet my clients at a bar, it's a different tone.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, completely different tone. It changes it completely, and it sometimes, like when you introduce alcohol into first business meetings, right? It can be a little awkward. Um, A because you don't even know if that person drinks, and B you don't want to drink too much right? But you know, the the is in the business of making money. So as soon as you're like, you know, you take a few sips, they're going to be coming over and asking if you want another one. Um, So it can actually make it awkward. And it also can diminish your um, the goal that you have, because you're it changes how you speak and how you think about things. And maybe you become a little looser and, you, and you're and you not as like spot on in delivering the message you want. So like coffee offers like clarity and focus and it just wakes you, the smell wakes you up, right? Even, even if you're like, you don't drink it. <laughs> For
1: sure. And when I was meeting with clients in the real estate space, <clears throat> excuse me. I would never go to a situation and have those types of conversations at a bar because one of the things you sign up for is a fiduciary obligation to your client. And the whole intent is to figure out, are you going to work together? And if so, put together that game plan to do so and ultimately sign something. And if they're under the influence of anything, I would never want them to sign a contract with me when they're in that state, because that's directly neglecting my fiduciary to them. So, that's why coffee shops were always the sweet spot for me.
0: That's funny. I didn't realize that you had signed that. I mean, I've, I've, you know, bought homes and sold homes and gone through that exercise, and I just kind of forgot about that. But it's kind of like being a doctor and signing, you know, your code of ethics kind of thing.
1: Very similar. The fiduciary is the highest obligation you could have for a client. So, that's did why, you, you know, coffee
0: shops. Did, did you um, did you bring that then into Lifey? You know, I want to talk about that a little bit um, because I think that ethical behavior, it sounds like it translates into what you're doing with Lifey. And I think when you're talking with somebody about their goals, it's a very sensitive area because their goals might not just be business, they might be um, personal. Um, It could be a myriad of things, right? So you want to be very present, very focused, um, not under the influence, or not have them be under the influence so that they say things that make them feel uncomfortable, right? Because uh, they realize later, oops.
1: <laughs> it's very similar to what I was doing with meeting buyers at coffee shops to have that conversation. It's that comfortable place for their them to come in and really get connected with who they are, where they want to go. And only when that happens, that's when you can bring the game plan in to help them bring that into fruition. But it doesn't, you can't jump to that step. Mm -hmm. You can't just start planning for someone until you understand them. And that's what I call a needs analysis. And before I do any sort of consulting or helping people set goals, I need to understand them. And the coffee shop's that perfect place to go ask questions, really learn about who they are, what they want. And at that point, you can step in and give them new perspective on what you see as possible for their life, but only after you listen to them. Mm.
0: Active listening is such a great uh, gift to have. I wish more people would work on that.
1: (laughs) Yes, it starts with Mm self-awareness. And when you get to a place of self-awareness where you can be present... It allows you to fully listen instead of engaging with that voice in your head and already thinking about what you're going to say based on one piece of nugget that they said. Put all that aside and just be present so you can actually hear what they're saying and then you can help them.
0: Coffee lovers, I have two quick announcements. I am opening a YouTube channel at Holly Shannon and I'm going to have all of coffee culture on there. So you can capture the little shorts for 5 minutes here and there or you can capture the full-length interviews. Also, my book Zero to Podcast is on Amazon and it's on my website and it is the how-to guide to start your podcast really fast and get your voice and ideas on iTunes and Spotify like I did. Makes a great holiday gift for you, perhaps a graduation present, or maybe it's your New Year's resolution. Both links are in the show notes. And now back to our show, Coffee Culture. You know, in interviewing, um, one of the things that I've shared with my clients um, that are entering the journey of podcasting uh, or business in general, when you're sitting in the room, you know, when you're at the table, um what you could do to actively listen uh because a lot of people struggle with it it's not that they don't want to be a part of the conversation and and listen it's 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 not that it's oh it's all about me it's just that it's a skill like it's it's hard to learn and um i literally this is like my my little hack and it's it seems silly almost but it actually works I always have pen and paper nearby Um, when we're in a coffee shop. Yep. There you go. Um, And we're going to go into that in a minute. Um, I always, we always have our phone on us. So if you say to somebody, I am I might look down once or twice to write something down while you're talking. I'm not ignoring you. Um, or I have the notes app on my phone open. I'm not checking texts. I'm not checking my email. But I might be typing in a word because I forgot my pen and paper. What I do is it's one word. and And that's it. So if I'm talking to you and... I want to remain present, but, you know, that monkey mind, it starts to think of other things you want to say. It's going down the road of a story because you triggered it, right? You said something that triggered something in my mind. It's, it's you know, it's just the way we work. You know, it's not a negative. It's not that I'm not listening, but you write down one word of whatever that thought is in your head. You don't write a sentence. You don't even write a phrase. You know, for me, maybe I write down the word pitta you know, just to bring us back to our conversation there. And I let yeah. you talk about what's going on in your body and and everything's going on. And I know, oh, I, I have that word down. I'll be able to come back to that because we're afraid we're going to lose that thread in our head. So we we start a whole story there and we stop listening to what the person's saying so that we can interject and say what we want to say. So just writing one word down when you are talking with somebody, interviewing somebody or in the reverse just write one word and just keep keep a log going and you could always go back. You know, it doesn't have to, your conversation never has to go in order. It's just going to go.
1: <laughs> There's so many nuggets of wisdom in what you just shared, Holly. And I think the first one is managing expectations of that conversation. Because we're talking about these very important conversations, big life decisions, and for you to make them aware of your process, and that sometimes you're going to look down at something or write something down, upon that happening, they might have, if you didn't say that, start wondering, mm-hmm. right? I wonder if what I'm saying is not important. I wonder yes. if this person's bored. I wonder if they're checking their Instagram or something, right? And you're able to say, hey, no, I'm going to be looking down from time to time, but that's ultimately to help you in this process. And I do a very similar thing to you with writing that word down. I call it a shelf where I'll put something on the shelf and then I'll continue to remain present with that person. And then once that loop has closed, I look back at the shelf and then I could bring that back into the conversation. Mm. But it is such a powerful tool that you do that,
0: yeah, it's um, thank you um i I sort of just did it um, I really did it as my own little hack because I'm my brain's going a hundred miles a minute, and I'm so afraid of um losing something that. I want to acknowledge in the conversation, like if somebody brings something up that I think is really interesting, or I want to learn more about, I don't want to forget to go back to that item. You know what I mean? So it's turned out to be an interview hack for me that I've learned over the past two and a half years and season five of my show. um, I didn't have that skill before. So you know, I think what I would probably share with people is that these are new behaviors. They're new habits that you can create and little hacks you could use. And, um, you know, the coffee shop is a great life hack. The writing down the word uh, is is a good conversation hack to keep you present. Um, so I love that. Um, and and now I'm going to switch gears on us because I do want to talk about lifey. Um During our time together, when we met at South by and then thereafter, you were building Lifey. Um, And I would really enjoy if you would share with everybody um, what that's about, how it came to fruition.
1: For sure. So I had mentioned earlier about me being a real estate agent. And I'd quickly go the leadership route and be managing a brokerage for nearly four years And actually set a record at the company I was at for recruiting the most agents in a single month. It was 30 agents in 30 days at that time. So all things growth, I was so focused on growth that I got recognized by the corporate headquarters and offered an opportunity to come lead their young professionals division. And upon doing that, accepting that role, March 9th, 2020, moved out to Austin, Texas, third day in the role, I was told, got this pandemic, we're going to go work from home for a bit. And what was so funny about me getting that role was because I had created such an incredible game plan for when I got that job, what I was going to do with that division. It was actually a nine-page I had it bound in a hardcover book when I went on <laughs> my my first interview, which was I four hours that. long. It was four hours long, and I went through the entire plan of what we were going to do at that division. And on the third day, I was told, throw it out the window. We are in survival mode. This is a global pandemic. I know you had these goals that were going to be taking place at these benchmarks later this year. It is all about right now. It is about this quarter. So in 2020, I switched to a quarterly goal planning system instead of annual goals. That completely changed my life. I think about the first quarter of January 2021, and I set out to lose some weight and had a friend ask me if I want to do a dry January with them. I said, yeah, I'd love to. That'll help me lose more weight and almost 2 years later now still haven't drank right completely just from moving to a quarterly system where i was only committing to 12 weeks of something and i say 12 weeks and not 13 weeks cuz i i use the last week of every quarter to reflect upon what i accomplished and then reset of where I want to go, recalibrate of where I want to go. And because that system was so effective for me, it would have felt selfish to just keep doing that and not share it with others. So, I ended up publishing a planner to allow people to set their own quarterly goals. And in addition to that, created retreats that people could go on where I could help them set their goals and a community to do a lot, so you could do your goals alongside people who are up to something similar. Because mm-hmm. so much of goal planning has to do with figuring that where you want to go out and then align- aligning yourself with people who are already doing that. Mm-hmm. And that was the birth of Lifey. And it's since evolved into workshops where I now have gone in and helped companies set their goals. I've helped communities set their goals. I've even moved into coaching and consulting to help people with their goals. So, it's opened up this whole world. It's like the the Disneyland of goal planning. Mm.
0: It's, it's such a cool um, design, for starters, that kind of happened accidentally to you. And it makes so much sense because... I think that setting up goals for the year is almost like a recipe for failure because it feels so grand and so far away um, that when everybody makes their New Year's resolutions, right, within a couple of months, they, they fall off the train because it feels so far away and it's hard to change habits and, and to work towards goals, which sometimes requires you to change the way you operate and do things. Um, And I love that you ended up breaking it into quarters, because I feel like it's almost like bite size, like, it's so much easier to say, I'm going to commit to something for three months, you know, versus 12. Like, it's just something psychologically that feels more attainable, at least for me. And, um, you know, I'm just going to tell everybody in the show notes, I'll have a link to these lifey planners that um, were created, and they are quarterly, but I'm going to suggest that you buy four, so that you have them for the year. And, um, you know, it's kind of like being accountable to yourself. Like I do want to set goals for a year. When you do have that large scale goal, um, you do get more accomplished, but breaking it off into quarters just feels more accessible. Like I I love that.
1: It's a smaller gap that you're covering. Mm -hmm. So if we were to decide today, Holly, that you and I were going to go climb Mount Everest.
0: You got to tell this story too. Go, go, go. I'm so excited about this. I saw this on Instagram, everybody. We'll put the link in the show notes too.
1: And we're going to climb Everest. It's like, where do you start? And let's say you and I agreed we're going to do it later this year. It'd be hard to envision ourselves actually climbing Everest before we figured out what does our diet need to look like? (laughs) What does our training schedule need to look like? Maybe we need to do some research on people who have already climbed Everest and interview them to figure out what they did. What is my travel going to look like? How much time do I need to adjust, right? If we are able to take such a massive goal like that and chunk it down and ask ourselves, what's the one thing that you and I could do this quarter to be on the trajectory to eventually climb Everest later this year? It might be that research piece. Mm-hmm. It might just be starting off with, how about we both interview 10 people who have already climbed Everest and we ask them what they did. Mm. Once we empower ourselves with that information, then we could take the next step of figuring out what do we need to do physically? What do we need to do nutrition? What's our travel look like? But that initial annual goal of climbing Everest is just too large of a gap.
0: Mm-hmm. I I agree. I agree. Um, you know, it brings me to a book that I've read. I don't know if you read Atomic Habits by James Clear. Oh, yeah. And I think it's such a good companion piece to lifey because when you think about so I'm gonna break it down like in the very short, short version for people who have not uh, read this book, but essentially it's changing um it's it's acquiring new habits that you want to have, but approaching it almost incrementally, like not like. I'm going to change my entire diet overnight, and I'm never going to have sugar and dairy and wheat and overnight. And it's almost a recipe, pardon the pun for failure, right? Um, But if you say, I'm just going to take alcohol out of my diet for the next 30 days, it's a small percentage change on the overall scale of food changes you plan on making. But just that even even if that's only 5% change across the board, in terms of how you eat and drink, um, you will see improvements that come from that. And if you did like a small change, in a lot of things, like, uh, I'm gonna stop using electronics for one hour before I go to bed so that I, you know, I'm not looking at blue lights kind of thing, just one hour, or I'm only going to do a five minute meditation every day, like just picking and choosing small little things, um, actually gives you like bigger returns on the other side. So I sort of feel like, paired with lifey, like when you look at it on a quarterly basis, can you set goals for yourself that are actually small, that move that needle for you, probably in a, a much bigger way? It, you know, that old saying, um, rising tides lift all boats, right? So like, if each one of those things that you do helps lift that boat higher, then in quarter two, when you open up your next lifey. You're you might be more inclined to say, you know, I think I'm going to take dairy out of my diet because I, I, you know, it's always upset my stomach. Um, if I can, if I can like forego alcohol for a month, so why can't I do that? And let me just see if it changes anything. Like it's just more accessible, don't you think?
1: A hundred percent. And we want you mentioned a five percent shift. Mm-hmm. We want that hundred percent shift tomorrow. Mm. And the truth is 5% is massive. And if we only look at a month or a quarter, it still might not seem like that much, but show me the person who's continued on that trajectory over five years and look at the difference from where they were going to where they ended up being because of that 5% shift, they are going to be in a completely different place. If you play the long game in life and make these small shifts, that's how you win this game.
0: I agree. I agree. I, you know, I just want to jump back quickly to your Everest story. Um, Do you want to share what, um, so what I should say, let me me premise preface this sorry by saying one of johnny's gifts is um he is really strong at building communities because he is one of those people that you're just drawn to and he's you're a very giving person johnny and you're and people are just drawn to you for for that reason. Um, you you make everything feel accessible, and I that's why I think you're positioned in the right place to support um, entrepreneurs and businesses in um, in setting goals because you are an accessible person. So, in building your community and building your lifey community, um, you did have. An Everest experience with one of the people, which again, I'm going to put that in the show notes. But um, do you want to share that story? Because it's, it really, while it seems large, like, oh, I could never do that. If you can just look at how the Lifey tool was used. In, in that framework, then it's kind of actually easier to look at the reverse and like, well, oh, I could just change something small. Like my, my goal doesn't have to be as audacious as climbing Mount Everest. I can do this. So could you share that story?
1: Definitely. And it was Mount Kilimanjaro.
0: Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Oops. All right. I screwed up. Such.
1: On. No, but but such an incredible feat. One of the members in our community, honestly, one of the most inspirational people I've ever met was having a really challenging year, had actually lost her mother this last spring, early summer. And we did a lifey call. Every Monday we get together, we do a call. And the first of the quarter, we asked everybody what their goals were. And she shared, I'm going to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. And in digging into that about the summit right? Making it to the summit. There was so much, so many uncontrollable factors, like how's her body going to react to the altitude? And she was able to use the planner to create a plan and within three months, make it happen. And at the top of Mount Kilimanjaro, when she got there after, you know, the day they summited, woke up at midnight hiked for seven hours to the summit just when sunrise was happening, took a photo with a lifey flag that she would then share with our community. And what's so powerful about community is when one person wins, it's everybody's win. It had felt like like seeing that lifey flag at the top of Kilimanjaro, it felt like I had helped make that happen Even though it was actually her and (laughs) her hard work and her goals. And yet there's a support piece and a connection piece that we all had with her, where it felt like our entire community has this new connection with Mount Kilimanjaro indefinitely because of what she accomplished.
0: Yeah, uh, that was so cool. When I saw that post, I was like, wow. This is the power of Lifey. This is the power of community. Um, it was everything all wrapped in one pretty package. I, I, I was so proud and so excited for you at that moment. Like it's, cause that's everything. Like that's what we're like, that's what we're all in this game for, right? Is that sense of community and connection. It's why we join communities like Lifey. It's why we gather in a coffee shop we just want to connect with people in the end, right?
1: We're wired for connection, Holly. You we are it. wired.
0: I'm caffeinated for connection. No.
1: <laughs> caffeinated for connection. I that know. could be a great hashtag.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> so you see, we we somehow came full circle with that coffee culture. I didn't intend on it, but um, I just love what you're doing. And I'm so glad that you came to share this with me. And I know that. Um, we're going to put a lot of links in the show notes, but I I know that your community is going to grow because of this. Cause I think everybody wants to be a part of something. I like what you're building.
1: Thank you, Holly. I, I'm so thankful to have come on and had this conversation and absolutely love what you're up to Thank and you. think you're going to help people have a paradigm shift of coffee all yeah. things, coffee. There's so much creative liberty you can take in these conversations and so many different types of people you could have conversations with. So I'm just so thankful to be a part of this and to watch you grow this from the ground up literally. so just <laughs> thank <laughs> you.
0: thank you. Well, see coffee culture, everybody, like, stay tuned for more and wait, I can't quite hear. You have to point to Lifey and join. <laughs> join johnny and lifey um we're here to help we're here to to be a part of your conversation and connection thanks for coming on the show thank you holly would you like to join the party coffee lovers i have two ways for you Please go over to YouTube now and subscribe to at Holly Shannon, and there'll be all the videos of this podcast there as well. What's the second way you can do that? You can leave a review with your ideas in Apple Podcasts. Either way, I would love it if you share a hot cup of connection and coffee culture with a friend. And if you'd like to support this indie podcaster, you can buy me a coffee. The link is in the show notes. Thank you, coffee lovers. This season is produced by Pale Blue Studios.